Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Redeeming Hope. We exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. If you want more information about our church or would like to support our ministry, go to our website at redeeminghope.org. Please enjoy the sermon podcast. So today we're continuing in our, the first part of our series on the Holy Spirit called Present. We're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, how he's a real person, how he does real things. He did real things in creation. He did real things in, in, in the life of Jesus. And we're talking today how he's really effectively doing real things in the life of the Christian when you choose to follow him. And we're specifically looking at the Holy Spirit and how he enables salvation. So in the past few weeks, we've been talking about how the Holy, who he is, what he, did, what he did in creation, what he did throughout the fall and then the Old Testament, what he did in the life of Jesus. That's all kind of looking in the past. So now, today, we're looking at the present. Like, how does what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, like, change us, like, right now, today? And that's actually the Holy Spirit's work. And so the Holy Spirit, he enables salvation. He enables and accomplishes redemption for us. Says he has a unique role. And I want to put this up there, a quote from Gordon Fee, and, and he says these words. He says, salvation finds its meaning in the character of the triune God, whose redemptive love initiated, that's the Father's work, Redemptive love affected, that's the Son's work. And redemptive love made effectual, that's the Spirit's work, and made effectual our salvation. So God's redemptive love was initiated, affected, and made effectual our salvation. And the Holy Spirit is one is a part of that process and a significant part in it. So our main point for today is this, that the Holy Spirit does a work inside of us to save us allow us to receive the gospel, and then gives us all the benefits of Jesus. And see, my friends, when you choose to follow Jesus, he immediately comes into your heart. He, the Holy Spirit immediately indwells you. And the Holy Spirit plays an active role in your salvation. He plays an active role in your acceptance of the gospel. He actually does a lot of stuff. And we're going to cover a couple of different things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does the Bible says that the Holy Spirit regenerates us. Look with me at Titus 3, 4 to 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, I would like to leave this text up for the majority of our time talking about it, okay? So I want us to leave this text up because I want you to walk through it and see the Trinity, see what God the Father's doing, what the Holy Spirit's doing, what Jesus is doing here in this text. So first off, we see, look at the very beginning, that first line there. It says, but when the goodness of loving, loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Now, when you first think of God as Savior, your mind might automatically go to Jesus, right? Well, this is actually talking about God the Father, <clears throat> Because in a little bit, he talks about 
through Jesus Christ, our Savior, okay? So he actually explicitly refers to Jesus Christ just the next verse down. So what we see here is that God the Father is a saving God, that he is orchestrating redemption. He is orchestrating the salvation of mankind, and he is merciful. That is an element that is a characteristic of God the Father. He is filled with mercy to save us, not by our own works. Okay, so God appeared, how? Through Jesus, but God the Father saved us not because of works, but because of his mercy. The question is, how did God the Father save us? Well, he gives a two-stage process. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So my friends, we actually talked about this word regeneration a number of months ago in our Words of Grace series. So if this word regeneration kind of touches a curiosity with you, you can go back on our website and our past sermons. You can go to Words of Grace. And this, this word regeneration is what we talked about. And, and the, the definition that we used a couple months ago is that regeneration is the current work of the Holy Spirit to bring the renewing, restoring, renovating, life-giving power that God the Father will one day use to recreate the world directly into our hearts of those who will follow Jesus. So God is one day going to renew the world. He's going to regenerate the world. The Bible actually talks about this in the day of regeneration, when all things will be made right again, where everything that's wrong will be right, everything that's crooked will be straight, everything that's rough will be smooth. God is going to restore and renew and regenerate the world. Now, here's the deal. The same power that he's going to use to change everything is actually the same word that's used about how the Holy Spirit regenerates and renews the heart of the Christian right there in the text that's on your screen. So God the Father wills salvation. He wants it to happen. He is saying it will happen because I am a merciful God. And then he says that the Holy Spirit will regenerate us. He's going to bring the renewing power of God, the, the refreshing, the washing, the renewal of God. God into our lives right now. And how does that get to our life? Holy Spirit. What's the source of it? Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. So what God the Father wills, the Holy Jesus inaugurates. He begins it. It's through Jesus. You see right here, it's through the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior, on the cross and in our place. So God wills salvation to happen. He sends Jesus to accomplish the work. Now, how does that work get to you and me? What's the pathway? What's the highway for that? Boom, that's the Holy Spirit regenerating, revitalizing, renewing. He's restoring in our hearts, lives, the power of God, God our Father wills it. Jesus does the work for it. Holy Spirit, like a conduit, puts it right into our life, pipes it right into our hearts. God the Father wills it. That salvation will happen. God the Son inaugurates and he does the work. He begins it. He does the work through him, right? And then it says, God the Holy Spirit sustains it. He accomplishes the regenerating power and he makes it effective for us. Does that make sense? I hope it does. If it doesn't, text us, reach out to us. We're going to talk about it. We're going to be doing some Q&As here at the end of our sermon series that I would love to get your input on. So what we first see is the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation is the Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts so we actually have the capacity to receive 
the message of the gospel. Next, we see that the Holy Spirit baptizes us. Okay, now there's a lot of confusion about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're going to take a few minutes to talk about it here. We're going to do a whole sermon on it. In uh, later on, we're going to we're going to do a significant amount of work on it. But I want to kind of address this here. But this is an important work of the Holy Spirit, and it actually very closely re- connects with regeneration. And so I'm going to put up a definition. What is baptism? Baptism is, baptism is something the Holy Spirit does inwardly to cleanse our hearts at the moment we receive Christ. Also, baptism is something we do externally in community as a response to being saved by God. So there's two things. There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's something that the Holy Spirit does in us when we choose to follow Jesus. And then in response to that, then we externally share this internal change. We share it externally with our community by physically going underwater and coming back up and being baptized within a community. So I hope that's clear. We're going to share it again. There's two types of baptism. The Holy Spirit baptizes you inwardly, and then we respond to that by being baptized physically and outwardly. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, again, this is not the action of baptism. This is not when we choose to follow Jesus, we go into the water, we come back up. The Holy Spirit also baptizes us at conversion into a family, into the church, into the family of God, adopting us into God's family. So um, this is a definition from a theologian, Wayne Grubin, and he says, baptism in the Holy Spirit, it refers to the activity of the Holy Spirit at conversion. When he gives us new life, he cleanses us, he gives us a clear break from the power of sin and the love of sin, and all of this the Holy Spirit does at conversion. So there's something that actually happens, a cleansing. And if you notice that it's, when you typically understand baptism as going under the water and coming up, right, connected with water, God often uses this same idea of baptism to demonstrate how the Holy Spirit cleanses us, like we are getting a shower, like we're getting a bath, like we're getting cleansed. And so he's actually like using this visual analogy of what you and I do in response to faith. And what he's saying is this is actually what the Holy Spirit does at the moment we choose to follow Jesus, in our very hearts. Now, if we have this definition of the Holy Spirit's baptism, meaning that at the moment of salvation, he cleanses us, he purifies us, he actually saves us through his saving power, coming, mediating the work of Christ into our life, then that makes 1 Peter 3.21 make a bunch more sense. Look with me at 1 Peter 3.21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as the removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My friends, it's not about the act of going under the water. There's, there's actually poor theology that would say that you can't really be a Christian unless you're baptized. That unless you physically go under the water and you physically come back up, you're not a real Christian. And my friends, there's other people that would say that you have to have some external expressions of the Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues or healing someone in order to be a real Christian, because unless you do those things, you're not baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, what the Bible says is that if the Holy Spirit's work is what happens at the moment of conversion, when you put a stake in the ground, you choose to follow Jesus, it says the Holy Spirit comes and cleanses you. He washes you clean. He baptizes you internally. He baptizes your heart, your soul. If he does that, 
then that's what saves you. It's the work of God in your life to save you. The Holy Spirit baptizes our hearts. It's not about going under the water, but when we appeal to God our Father because of the work of Jesus on the cross that we believe, then the Holy Spirit baptizes our hearts. He cleanses us. He washes us clean of sin, and that's what saves us. He makes us clean on the inside. And then again, the external response to this is us getting physically baptized in front of others. Now, look with this. One more passage on this. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. As, some, as such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see this idea of washing? See this idea of cleaning? Like over and over and over again, the Spirit is seen as washing, cleaning, baptizing our hearts. This is how water and baptism come into play here. But it's in the name of Jesus. It's only because of Jesus. And how is that effective for us? It's by the Spirit of our God. It's through the Holy Spirit. So it's because of Jesus, through him, but it's by the Spirit that these things happen. Jesus starts it. He does the work, but the Holy Spirit sustains that work. He accomplishes that work, and he makes that work effective into our lives right now in our hearts by being the conduit of that cleansing work that Jesus secured for us on the cross, cleansing our hearts right now. Do you, do you see how that works? Does that make sense? If it doesn't make sense, pause our video. Text me right now at the church. I get it. It like comes right to my phone. It's a Google voice number, okay? So like comes right to me. Text me. Call the church number. Leave a voicemail. Log on to Discord. Send a message. Email me. Send up a freaking smoke signal. Like I want to know if you have questions about this because I'm actually storing the questions up and we're going to do a whole Q&A. But if you have a question about this, if you've been hurt by this, if you don't agree with this, that's okay. Just reach out to me and I'd love to talk with you and share and dialogue more about these things. My friends, again, I'm going to put that graphic up again. Baptism, something the Holy Spirit does inwardly to cleanse our hearts at the moment we receive Christ. Also baptism, something we do externally in community as a response to being saved by God. Now, the next thing that the Holy Spirit does for us is the Holy Spirit pours out God's love. Look with me at Romans 5, verse 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's nothing else for me to say about that. There's no additional points on my notes. I'm just going to read it again and move on because it's awesome. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. End of point. The next thing that the Holy Spirit does is that the Holy Spirit seals us. Ephesians 1. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, believed in Jesus, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So you have to hear it. You have to believe it. You have to obey Jesus by making him Lord over your life. And the moment you do that, you are sealed, secure, you cannot lose your salvation. Here's why. You didn't do the work to save yourself. God the Father willed it. Jesus accomplished it. The Holy Spirit sustains it and accomplishes it to you right now. Okay? It's through Jesus, by the Spirit, because of the will of the Father. All right? So you didn't do the work to save yourself. You don't do the work to secure yourself. You can't. The Holy Spirit does it. He seals you. He locks you in. No getting away. The Holy Spirit is a promise 
of your security. He seals you. And we're going to be talking about that means more when we talk about his presence in our life and how his presence indwells us. It secures us. It gives us freedom. It leads us into faith. All those great things. But the Holy Spirit seals you. He does the work to secure you in salvation. The next thing, the Holy Spirit permanently indwells you. Okay, so that's the next point. John 14, 23. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, Jesus is saying, if you love me, you're going to obey me, right? That's a really confident thing to say unless you're God, okay? But Jesus is God and he says, my father will love him and we, Jesus puts himself on the same level as the Father, on the same level as God. Jesus is God, and he claimed to be God, and he's either right or wrong. But he claims to be God, equal with him. And he says, we will come to him and make our home with him, indwelling us permanently as a permanent resident. My friends, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was indwelling and given for specific purposes. We actually talked about that a few weeks ago, but the Holy Spirit could be taken away. But here's the deal. When Jesus came, he promised to dwell with us permanently. Now you see, the Father has a throne. Jesus has a body. The Holy Spirit has a temple, followers of Jesus. I'm going to say it again. The Father has a throne, Jesus has a body, the Holy Spirit has a temple, you and me who choose to follow him. So he resides in us permanently, can't be moved. 100%, he has got you on lock. He is permanently indwelling you. He will never leave you. And this was actually a sign of the Messiah, was when the resurrection of the dead and the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. For a Jewish person anticipating the arrival of a Messiah, the two indicators, the two kind of kind of warning lights, ding, 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 was the resurrection of the dead, the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Look with me at just one more passage as it relates to this, John 7, 37 to 39. Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus literally says, you will come to me and drink, and I, whoever believes in me, you will have living water flowing out of you. Do you see this idea? Remember the idea of the Holy Spirit and water? The idea of the Holy Spirit and life, we talked about that a few weeks ago in creation where God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. The word for breath in the New Testament is the same word for spirit, right? Like there is connections here about the spirit giving life, the spirit washing us clean, right? So this idea of out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he said it, John makes it very clear now, he said this about the spirit who was to come. After Jesus was resurrected, his death, burial, and resurrection was his glorification. After Jesus was glorified, the Holy Spirit came. He came down, and he permanently indwells with those who choose to follow Jesus. Next, we see that the Holy Spirit empowers. Now, we kind of looked at this passage last week, but I want to look at it again through a different lens. Romans 8, verse 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells 
in you. My friends, the follower of Jesus has the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, the fruit of that power is actually in two ways. It's personal piety and it's corporate expressions of worship. So the first is personal piety. You personally become more like Jesus because of the work of the Spirit inside of you. So this is like Galatians 5, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to take a whole sermon and talk about what the fruit of the Spirit is. That's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like you begin to express that personally. Like you personally change as the Holy Spirit dwells in you. But as you are a part of a church family, the fruit of that personal power is corporate expressions of worship. Like spiritual change, spiritual revitalization happens on a church-wide and a community-wide scale as God's Spirit moves. It's not just personal. It is personal, but it's also corporate. So it should lead us into corporate expressions of worship. It should lead us into moments where we're singing together, where we're listening to the word together in person, and we're being affected by that. Our emotions are being touched. Our spirits are being moved. Our lives are changed when we're in groups, when we're confessing sin, when we're getting drawn to repentance and faith. Actually, what happens is that's the Holy Spirit working community, working corporately to allow us to worship God in deeper, truer, and fuller ways. Now look with me just at one more passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. All these spiritual gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. My friends, not only is the Holy Spirit empowering us for personal change and for corporate change, but he also gives us gifts so that we can use the betterment of the gospel and the, and the growth of, and the health of the church, right? We are empowered for acts of service towards others. So he empowers us to personally change. He empowers our communities to corporately change and actually experience like deep, true worship in community, not just through music, but through music, through preaching, through life change, through um, confessing sin, through, through um, like turning away from idolatry and turning towards Christ. And then also what he does is he then gives us, empowers us for gifts to use within and outside of our community, outside of our church family. And so you see how the Holy Spirit's empowering for a lot of different things. He empowers us to, through the Holy Spirit to live personal lives obediently, he empowers us for corporate change. He empowers us to serve one another in love. So as we kind of wrap up what the Holy Spirit does in salvation, if you're joining us and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, my friends, you can be regenerated. You can be washed clean, baptized by the Holy Spirit. You can experience God's love poured out into your heart immeasurably. You can be sealed and protected for the day of judgment. You can be permanently indwelt and significantly empowered by the Holy Spirit. How do you do this? It's all through Jesus. Because remember, it's through Jesus. It's by the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, right? So it all goes back to what do you do with Jesus? Have you heard that Jesus died in your place as a substitute for the brokenness that exists in your life? Do you believe that you need the work of Jesus as administered by the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you believe that you need God himself to come reside inside of you? Do you need the grace of your Father? Do you believe it's true for you? And then have you obeyed? I want to call you to obey. Put a stake in the ground. Say, today I won't leave this video. I'm going to push pause. I'm not going to leave this video until I give my life to Jesus completely. 
and say, he is my Lord. He is my master and commander. He is the one that's guiding my life. When you make Jesus Lord of your life, you hear it, believe it, it's true for you, obey it, then you become a Christian. And when you become a Christian, a Christ follower, then what happens is, is that the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and does all these amazing things. We've been talking about in this sermon. All you got to do is hear it, believe it, and obey it. And it's the easiest thing and the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, my friends, I want to encourage you that you have access to all these things that, God, that, that, that we've talked about today. But God has given you a choice of whether you will be changed by them or not. You can quench the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. You can actually quench the power of God's Spirit in your life. You can, you can like, like dousing water on a flame, you can do that. Or you can submit to his change. You can follow him in obedience. You can say, no, Holy Spirit, you will have right to my life and I will follow you. And when you do that, you will become more like Jesus. You will be able to respond to sufferings better. You will have a faith, a confidence in God and what he's done for you that you didn't have before. And you're going to live differently as a result of that. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're struggling with that, if you need help with that, one of the best ways to do that is to join a group, to be in with a group of people that are following Jesus together. And so if you need help with that, you can reach out to us, you can text us, you can, but, but being a part of a group is where the life change happens. And it's so important to our church that we've modeled our church around this. And there's some people in Clarksville that have grown up in the church that don't understand what we're doing, and that's okay. Like, we don't center on a Sunday gathering with a message. Although I put significant time into this, I want you to listen to it. And I want you to join when we're gathering in person. But where life change happens is in groups because the Holy Spirit actually works in a group. Remember we talked about that corporate empowerment? Like corporate empowerment happens both in a transformative experience in worship when we're all together corporately, gathering. But when you're in a group, like the Holy Spirit is speaking through the people around you. And as you're all following Jesus and reading the same scriptures and coming to the table, talking about what stuck out to you, how God's calling you to respond, who he's calling you to reach out to, when you're doing those things, like God is truly changing you through the power of the Spirit in your life. And I want to encourage you, if you're not faithful to a group, please be faithful to a group. Please join, jump in, because you will truly see the empowerment of God within community to change your life. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.